0: Here we go. All right. I'm starting to get comfy here in season six, Ian. How about you?
1: I'm a little uncomfortable, actually.
0: Uncomfortable? Oh. Yeah. Have you brought me something uncomfortable this evening? No, I would never do that. Oh, my God. Sweet Lord. I love uncomfortable podcast episodes. Of course you would. All right. Well, uh, I mean, we'll. can we have a birthday this time?
1: We had a birthday last time. Yeah, I know, but I love
0: birthdays. You do love birthdays, don't you? Yeah, it gives me a frame of reference on where to start my mental space.
1: <laughs> okay, well... For today, though, we are going back a little further than last episode. Oh, so, we're, we're
0: taking another step backwards.
1: Another step backwards. Hell yeah. And we're doing a man named Spade Cooley. Oh, yeah. Now, Spade Cooley was born Don L. Clyde Cooley on December 17th, 1910, in Pack Saddle Creek, Oklahoma. You know, he came from a low income family, had a trick tra- Saddle Creek. Pack saddle, like you yeah, know, you know, yeah. you're gonna pack a saddle.
0: That's a weird fucking name for an area, but anyways, continue. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: Yeah, he would have, you know, like a trace of Cherokee blood in him. Uh, so I guess he was part Native American.
0: Yeah, so he's got a little bit. Uh, you can kind of see it in his face a little bit. He does have a very weirdly shaped face, though.
1: And the nickname Spade would come around during a poker game. Where he would apparently win several hands with a series of flushes, all spades.
0: Oh shit. You always know you got a good nickname when it comes from, like, cards. When you, like, <laughs> a card game gives you a nickname, you know you
1: got a good one. I don't know any other nicknames that would come from cards. Well, shut up. <laughs> I mean, maybe he could have been Dead Man's Hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, can he be Hearts Cooley? <laughs> God,
0: Diamonds Cooley. Diamonds Coolie. I like that one. Yeah, no. See, that's what I'm talking about.
1: What about the Ace of Spades? Yeah, but that's a song. <laughs> <laughs> the Ace of Spades Cooley. Yeah. I don't like the ring of that one. No, Spades Coolie is he's better. He's just the Ace of Spades. <laughs> that's his whole name. <laughs> Which, isn't that part of the Dead Man's Hand? Aces over eights? I guess it's yeah. any ace. Yeah, it's just
0: aces, aces packed with
1: eights. Well, so in 1914, his parents would end up moving to Oregon. His father's friend would offer to provide the younger Cooley with classical violin lessons, which I don't know why his father just didn't do that, because apparently, you know, he's like third-generation violinist in his family.
0: Oh, wow. Like, so his father didn't teach him, so he had to go learn from somebody else?
1: Uh, maybe he just wanted him to learn more than he did or, like, be able to read music or something. I yeah, don't know, whatever but, it may have been. But, yeah spade cooley would end up playing violin and cello in the school orchestra yeah but would also at the same time play fiddle at country barn dances because this was still the west before you know the west became what it is now
0: (laughs) yeah it was the wild west still so you still had country barn dances and the like
1: and i mean if you think about it like eastern oregon and eastern washington all are still kind of you know they're a little yeah, there, there's definitely some good old boys over there. <laughs> yeah, in
0: Idaho and, you know. Oh, yeah. Montana and those places. There's still some good old boys up there.
1: But in 1931, the Cooley family would end up moving to a farm in Modesto, California. And, you know, like what seems to be common with a lot of these artists we talk about in this era, did not like farm work. Duh. He had to get away from it, so he traveled to Los Angeles to try his hand at being a Hollywood singing cowboy. Hell yeah. Just like Roy Rogers and Gene Autry.
0: Fuck yeah. The singing cowboys, man. We, all, we talked about this like way, way back in the origination of the series. So if you're a true fan, you'll remember those episodes. But singing cowboys is like a very, very special type of a Hollywood cowboy.
1: Well, we will have a callback to someone in this episode that we did like early on too. And so he was unsuccessful in Los Angeles and had to come back to Modesto, and he accepted a gig at a local club for $15 a night. Oh, shit.
0: Hell yeah. High rolling.
1: But he was undeterred. He would make another trip to Los Angeles, and Cooley was hired as a stand-in for singer and film cowboy Roy Rogers.
0: Hell yeah. Oh, so like he he straight up was,
1: uh, got filled in for his hero pretty much on day one, huh? Yeah, apparently, and I guess he had, you know, somewhat of a resemblance to him, too, so. That probably didn't
0: hurt. I I wonder if Roy Rogers was weird-looking as him, because this dude's got a giant mouth. Like, his his (laughs) mouth was sized up on Photoshop, but in real life.
1: Actually, yeah, he's got a pretty similar, you know, look. Roy Rogers is definitely not as goofy looking <laughs> maybe that's why he was roy rogers stand in for a while yeah exactly it's like a slightly more goofy roy rogers <laughs> <laughs> yuck 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 Yuck! but he was also you know a hot fiddle player on the los angeles club circuit and that would actually include regular performances with rogers touring band riders of the purple sage riders of the purple sage yeah. That's it's, a fucking
0: cool name. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs>
1: and it went to Roy Rogers of all people. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's so weird. <laughs> that sounds like a 60s like acid band right there. <laughs> <I know. laughs> the Doors opening up with Riders of the Purple Sage. <laughs> well yeah, exactly. Of course you, I straight
0: I straight went to Riders of the Storm too. <laughs> riders on the st- or Purple st- Sage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, nailed it there. He would also end up recording his first song around this time. I could not, for the life of me, figure out what it was. Everything just said he recorded his first song.
0: <laughs> Yay. Someone probably asked him in an interview when he recorded his first song. He probably said the date, but never, like, mentioned what it was. So,
1: And so around this time, you know, country was actually, like, huge around the Los Angeles area. As you know, is the 1940s. Thousands of Okies had migrated from California during the Great Depression and their love of country music would kind of spill over into the industry that wanted to capitalize on it. Yeah. Popular film and radio singing cowboy Gene Autry would end up hosting a radio program called Melody Ranch, which would feature band leader Jimmy Wakely and Wakely had been hired to lead a house band at the recently opened Venice Pier Ballroom and Cooley was brought in to play the fiddle. But Cooley would take over and kind of scoot his way to the top and take Aww, responsibilities yeah. of the band.
0: That's that's how you do it.
1: Yeah, and he'd have he'd have three fiddle players and three singers. Unfortunately, no recordings because, as we have discussed in a previous episode, the recording
0: band.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, is that your callback?
0: Because I, we haven't talked about the recording band in so fucking long.
1: Yeah, that's... Well, actually, I guess there's a couple callbacks here
0: yeah we're we're back in this in this classic era of racism and recording strikes so (laughs) pat's so happy yeah we love this (laughs) (laughs) that was my sarcastic laugh i don't know if you could tell
1: but you know even though there was a recording band going on they would be the hottest act in california cooley would end up appearing in the gene autry film home in wyoming in 1942 fuck yeah In 1943, though, there was some competition. Uh Uh-oh. And here's another throwback. Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys would end up moving to California around this time.
0: Yep. Oh, that's some competition right there. The Texas Playboys are a bunch of badasses.
1: And they were selling out ballrooms all throughout California. But they were two different groups, even though, you know, they were considered like the same style. Kirk Wolf would say in Country Music, The Rough Guide." The Hollywood socialite and his orchestra were nowhere near as rowdy and loose around the edges as the great Texas swing band of the 1930s. Cooley perfected a smoother, cooler, and in many ways slicker sound that was far more orchestrated than the music of Bob Wills or Milton Brown, who was also in the Bob Wills episode. Yeah. Yeah. The electric guitar, for instance, had a rounder sound. The strings were denser and arranged in a section compared to the bright twin fiddle sound of Wills' Texas Playboys.
0: Yeah, so they, so essentially they had a pretty polar opposite uh, place in the actual genre itself, making them different enough to where they could both exist in the same place.
1: Yeah, but it seemed like because of how rowdy they were, the Playboys were kind of... You know, taking the gigs, as it were.
0: Well, yeah, because, I mean, we all want to see the rowdy shows. I mean, no matter who
1: you are, at the end of the day, you want to see the rowdy show. You don't want to see the boring show. And so the Venice Pier Ballroom, which Cooley and his band were, like, kind of the main attraction towards, right? Yeah. They would end up getting replaced by Bob Wills and his Playboys, right? Oh, damn. And this didn't settle good with Cooley. So oh, I he, bet not. He insisted upon a two night battle of the bands, which pitted Cooley's orchestra against the Texas Playboys, right? <laughs> and it's on. They're playing their that's, way. That's oh, a, it's, it's where a, they're
0: battling. It's a it's a battle barn dance, guys. <laughs> <These are, laughs> Do check out this song's very first barn dance battle. Oh, my God, Ian, please tell me what happened.
1: Well, Cooley's band was declared victorious. <laughs> <laughs> and he would label himself the king of western swing <laughs> even though most people to this day still consider bob wills the king of western swing
0: yeah no i, I i've actually seen this cuz we we talked about this <laughs> with him being the king of western swing last time yeah uh, and so I took your title, no you didn't, yes I did, no you didn't.
1: I just like the idea of him being up on stage uh, winning going, yeah, yeah, I am the king of western swing.
0: It is I I who am now the king of western swing, Bob Wills, bend thy knee, (laughs) bow before me, (laughs) bow it is me 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 oh <laughs> uh, yep no I, I would pay to see that
1: movie
0: <laughs> lord of the western swing
1: uh Somehow, I think we would need to Hollywood up that a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh, no. I think your your vocalization was actually pretty, uh, pretty on point there, Ian, I got to say.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I practiced just for this episode.
0: <laughs> you were in your
1: car before you came in <laughs> screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I am the king of Western Swing. I was actually here early, but, you know, I had to practice. Yeah, exactly. And so... In 1942, Spade Cooley was still married to his high school sweetheart, but his band would eventually take in a singer named Ella Mae Evans. Uh-oh. You know, she sang all right, but she was, you know, good looking. <laughs> <laughs> She's about, yeah. uh, she was about 15 years younger than Spade, and, you know, of course they'd strike up a relationship. Oh, my God. 1943, Cooley would sign a record contract with OK Records. In 1944, he'd end up releasing Shame on You, which was a major hit in 1945. You know, things move a little slower, so it takes time, right? Yeah. But he'd also record songs like Detour, Crazy Cause I Love You, Forgive Me, One More Time. This would probably be his most creative period, as we'll get into a little bit more. You know, you'll see why. But these songs were also pretty notable for introducing audiences to the vocals of Tex Williams
0: oh yeah that's a name we all pretty much heard
1: yeah you know he'd go on to have his own success especially with his version of merle travis's smoke 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 that cigarette <laughs> you know he'd also appear in movies like the singing sheriff in chatterbox a singing bandit outlaws of the rockies Rockin' the rockies which apparently had the three stooges in it. <laughs> nice Texas Panhandle, Square Dance Jubilee, and everybody's dancing. Everybody's dancing. Some action packed films right Fuck there. Yeah,
0: those are some some badass jams. Especially got the three stooges in a movie with you. You're doing
1: good. And so let's bring on the dude. Check out this song. Yeah, laid on a scene. We got shame on you. Detour. Crazy cause I love you. Forgive
0: me one more time. I swear to God, I know crazy for because I love you from somewhere else. I, <laughs> I was not able to find it before.
1: When we were doing research on this, Pat was listening to this song and then bouncing back and forth between different R- 90s R&B songs. It was fucking weird. <laughs> it was very weird. But I, I'm gonna,
0: I, I don't know. I, I couldn't figure out which one it was, but I'm sure I will, like, after we're done recording because my brain won't stop thinking about it probably forever.
1: Well, and here's the thing about Cooley. He loved the women. You might even say he was somewhat of a womanizer. Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Somewhat <laughs> is not the key word there. Yeah. So, I, I always know,
0: Ian, you always introduce like the dark subject at about this point. I'm, I'm usually just <laughs> waiting for it now.
1: His manager, Bennett, in an unpublished manuscript, would claim that she paid 10 women whom Cooley had been with to have abortions. <laughs> And that was in one year
0: oh <laughs> fuck dude once again we talked about it last week but another person really trying to step it up and screaming jay hawkins their life up <laughs> but you just can't do it you just can't well,
1: you can't meet that i imagine in this time frame it was a little bit more frowned upon to have Babies with women who weren't your wife.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I would assume so. I mean, we we all know about this era and how uh,
1: godly they are. Yeah, well,
0: godly in, in certain aspects, I guess.
1: <laughs> in <laughs> certain extreme
0: morals,
1: they've got their own sense of morals. That's for sure. Or Merle More, Merle Merle <laughs>
0: <Merles>. Merle Haggard's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> who had his own sense of morals. Yes,
0: they indeed. As long as we stop calling them Morales, just because I pronounced something wrong, doesn't mean you got to immediately follow in with it, Ian. God damn it.
1: (laughs) It's like a yawn. It got addictive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyways.
1: But in 1945, he'd end up marrying Ella Mae Evans, his second wife. Uh, Number two. The following year, they'd bring in their daughter, Melody. But shortly before her arrival... LMA actually caught Spade with another woman, and when she tried to pack her bags and leave, he threatened to kill her. Oh, uh, uh oh!
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Well, she ran away to Texas anyway. Yeah. But Spade went end up bringing her back. At gunpoint. Uh, it doesn't explain it in the research I did, but but yeah, it probably. wouldn't shock me. Oh my god! They would They would eventually have three children together too. <laughs>
0: She tried to run, but no. if you run, I'll kill your ass. You're dead.
1: And then he didn't, because she did
0: run. Yeah, she did run, and he didn't kill her, so I guess...
1: The way it made it sound, he basically, that era, caveman dragged her by the hair back. (laughs)
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, she was pretty much like... He probably was like, yep, now's the time where that threat's
1: going to be either a threat or a non-threat. Also in 1945, he was arrested and acquitted on charges of rape. Oh, what the fuck, dude?
0: Who is this guy? This is, okay, I was trying to play off how crappy this dude was until that. I don't have to play it off anymore. Let's just. Oh
1: no, this is a shitty dude. Would,
0: would you get the uh, the the duster out so we can dust off the asshole spotlight we haven't <laughs> <had to> used <laughs> in a while? We
1: haven't had an asshole. Yeah, no. Spade Cooley, asshole spotlight. Yeah, it's a little dusty. <laughs> I'm, I have to get it out from
0: storage. But you are brightly lit up in the asshole spotlight, my friend.
1: click (laughs) it's on yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we haven't had to pull that one out in a while i mean i guess we could have pulled it out on the last episode too right
0: yeah i guess we we probably could have but it wasn't so it wasn't so uh,
1: abrasive (laughs) because
0: there was questions in the last episode you could have believed it went one way or the other in the last episode there's no believing it went one way or the other at this dude you suck
1: in 1947, Cooley would end up signing with RCA Victor. You know, another good callback there.
0: One of the colliest of callbacks.
1: And, of course, there was another Musicians Union band, and he couldn't record until
0: 1949. Oh, yeah. he. So it was the first one, and now that's the 1948 one,
1: right? Yeah, he got hit by both of them. Right?
0: Uh, well, he deserves it. I think maybe he should be banned from ever recording and, and probably also banned from raping.
1: Apparently, during this band, he had a famous pedal steel player playing with him named Speedy West. I don't know him, but if he's, like, famous in this scene, you know, there's got to be something. Yeah. And so, in 1947, instead of recording, he'd end up hosting his own television show named The Hoffman Hayride. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, it was a variety series on KTLA.
0: Well, now it all makes sense because when we were listening to the music and uh, before the episode, we were seeing a whole bunch of like uh, photo slideshows, kind of as everything was going through. And he was always surrounded by like a bunch of pretty girls who were like clearly way too young for him. So, like, it makes <laughs> well, a lot of sense.
1: There's actually some explanation for that too. Is he would eventually have an all woman band? You oh, know, I bet like he would. You know, like in that era that rock and roll took over
0: oh I, I i'm sure he had many all-women bands
1: but apparently this show was popular like this would get the ratings of like 75 percent you know which in that time slot in that era like that's like you know a fucking hit local show
0: yeah that's pretty damn good
1: it would actually beat out the nationally broadcast show milton burrow
0: oh wow well milton burrow has the worst fucking jokes of all time but i think in this era he was very famous and yeah. popular yeah
1: well, I, I imagine his jokes were probably pretty centric around this era, you know?
0: No, they're not topical jokes. They're just really, really bad I can't even tell. They're, they're like, I don't know. They're non jokes. Nowadays we consider them non jokes back then. They consider them jokes.
1: What are they like? Dad jokes? They're, yeah. They're like dad <laughs>
0: jokes to a dad joke degree. Like I can't even get into <laughs> how terrible, like unless you want me to get it like Milton Burroughs top 10 jokes. I'm like, we should just move forward. Cause it's not good.
1: Is it like light bulb jokes? Like how many people did it take up to pick up a light bulb?
0: Yeah. It's, it's at least that stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there hasn't been a whole lot of dude check out this song, so I'm throwing one smack dab in the middle of this one. We got Pair of Broken Hearts, Digging with Spade, Steel Guitar Rag, Wabash Cannonball, Fireball Mail, Cowpoke Poka. Which,
0: which, if I'm being honest, those are some of like the best songs that he has. The Wabash Cannonball is another one of those songs where I swear to God that uh, I know it from somewhere else, but it's, it's still a really <laughs> good song.
1: Well, I, I have to admit, like, these are songs that I can't hate. They're just, they're fun, silly, like, country songs, but it's like pop country nowadays, but back then, which for some reason I feel like I, I'm supposed to hate these songs, but I don't.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. They they have a sort of a fun. There's a charm to it. There's them. a charm and a fun element to it, I think, is what it really is.
1: And so in the early 50s, he'd have a heart attack. Aww. Wouldn't die for a but, you know, I mean... He's like a popular country singer in LA so he probably partied it up pretty good
0: yeah and well and he's also you know <clears throat> a terrible rapist.
1: Oh he's terrible for many things <laughs>
0: yeah so and and all that stuff so
1: and you know he'd continue to play through the 50s but he was waning and waning and waning in popularity 60s came around and you know even worse right? Yeah, he's an old man
0: now, and he plays this genre that nobody wants to listen to, so...
1: Right, I mean, you have guys like Buddy Holly and Elvis Presley out there. <laughs> you don't
0: compete, little rapey bro.
1: And so, he decided to start looking for alternative means of making money. Uh-oh. Yeah, he totally joined the mob. Wait, for real? No. Oh, <laughs> like, like, wait, this story's getting off the chain, wait, wait, really? Yeah. Damn it, he, <laughs> he would end up building a Disney-like water park in the middle of the Mojave Desert where he and his family relocated to, which would, you know, now include his son, Donnell Jr. <laughs>
0: so he made a water park
1: in the middle of the desert? Yep. I can't
0: tell if that's a brilliant idea or an idiot's idea. Is It's probably a good idea, right?
1: I mean, it sustained him, I guess. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I can't, I can't root for him anymore, though, Ian. God damn it. Well, he was also drinking very heavily at this point, you know. Oh, of course he was, because that's why you would think that a water park is your best
1: investment. <laughs> <laughs> 1959 his show would get canceled, too. Uh And that only increased his drinking. So now he's on, like,
0: the super downhill.
1: Yeah, I mean, he still played... But, you know, he definitely wasn't, like, garnering the audience that he once was. And, you know, with him drinking heavily and being pissed off about, you know, not being as famous anymore, he'd often, you know, drunkenly take it out on his bandmates, you know, sometimes firing them. And then, you know, <laughs> the next day, going, eh, I didn't mean it. I was Sorry, bro, yeah.
0: man, I was hammered. I didn't mean to fire you, man.
1: But he would also take it out on his family. Of course he would, like a shitbag. Most notably, his wife, Ella May. And so in March 1961, Ella May would, you know, enter the hospital after one of Cooley's vicious abusive episodes. Oh, my fuck. She even pleaded in the hospital not to be released for fear of her life. Ella May and Spade Cooley would both end up filing for divorce, you know, each one trying to get custody of the children. And Cooley, he was on top of it. You know, he was really suspicious of Ella's infidelities. I mean, you know, even though he had his own. Yeah,
0: even though he's a shitbag. Even though he's a shitbag and had his own. and, And was a rapist.
1: And so, you know, Spade would end up pulling back his countersuit for divorce and, you know, really trying to take her back. But she wouldn't have any of it. Yeah, she better fucking not, dude. She was reported to have said around this time to someone, possibly his manager that she ended up having an affair with Roy Rogers. <laughs> oh, that, that actually
0: makes it so good. He's like a knockoff Roy Rogers. And then his <laughs> wife goes and
1: bangs the real thing after he's a total piece of shit.
0: Oh, that, that makes me so happy. I can't even tell you guys how happy that makes me.
1: Pat's got a pretty big grin on his face. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, Cooley would get it even more creepy at this point. He'd hire a private detective to, quote-unquote, check up on his wife. Oh, ooh,
0: hiring a private detective. That always says I'm that the situation is totally normal.
1: And his private detective said he didn't have to work too hard. You know, in a few weeks, Spade called him and said his wife was now ready to admit her affairs. And... He put Ella on the line. Apparently, she claimed to have had one 30-minute quickie with a man at a local motel, (laughs) providing both a date and the motel's location, but would not give the name of him. Duh. She would close the conversation with the statement that she loved Spade until the day she died. Yeah, but he was a weird rapist guy, and she didn't want to be with him anymore. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> At that point, she would say anything to go, fuck, can he just get out of my life?
0: Yeah, I love you and whatever, but we're done, you fucking weird rapey motherfucker.
1: Oh, yeah, we're totally cool, man. Like, you know, yeah, bro. I totally want to hang out with you. Yeah, I'll call you later.
0: Just give me some space for like two or three decades.
1: <laughs> you know, till you die. And so on April 3rd, 1961... Spade would show up to his water wonderland drunk and very angry, and apparently he would storm out and go home to his Mojave Desert estate. Later that night, his 14-year-old daughter, Melody, would walk into the house around 6.20 p.m. Spade would have blood spots on his pants. Oh, shit. He would take Melody by the arm and say, Come here, your mother's going to tell you something. What? <laughs> what
0: What? i don't like the fact that ian had to take like a very large drink before uh before starting this portion
1: he'd walk his daughter to the bathroom shower where the water was running lma would lay on the shower floor already unconscious possibly dead oh my god and spade would grab her by the hair and rip her out of the bathroom and he began kicking and beating the body he would even use cigarettes to burn her, all in front of his 14-year-old daughter, Melody.
0: What the fuck? Oh, my God. This this seems very, like, deja vu. Didn't we have someone else who did something almost similar to
1: this? I can't think of anybody. Jesus Christ. This I mean, is maybe fucking... Lead Belly?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. This is
1: insane. What the fuck? Are you fucking serious? Yeah. This is not him joining the mafia. This is fu- This, This is re- this. This really happened, dude. And a phone call would eventually come in and it would distract Cooley enough to let his daughter escape. Oh, shit. Cooley would apparently spend the next four hours alone with LMA's body. His manager and Spade's son and daughter in law would also arrive around 11 p.m. And was eventually able to convince Spade to call for an ambulance, but it was too late. Oh my God, dude. What the fuck, man? Elome Cooley had died from a ruptured aorta as a result of Spade's kicking and punching.
0: So she wasn't dead in the bathtub, but she was dead after the beating afterwards.
1: It's unclear that, you know, especially around this time, they couldn't, yeah. you know, specify when the time of death was mm-hmm. but it was a result of his beating whether it was before his daughter got there or after yeah
0: that doesn't matter it still is a result of the fucking the pussy actions
1: jesus fucking christ dude what a shit bag That's why I debated on whether even I should put some dude check out the songs in it. No,
0: we we shouldn't. We shouldn't dude check this guy out. We should dude check out this guy's grave and piss on it.
1: (laughs) We already dusted off the asshole spotlight, but... We've got a scumbag spotlight around here <laughs> <Yeah>. somewhere, right? <laughs> We're gonna
0: have to upgrade the asshole spotlight. The asshole spotlight does not does not handle rape and murder, bro. Is this a
1: piece of shit spotlight now?
0: <laughs> oh, it's evil spotlight. This is like like a red patina that we put over the asshole spotlight. It's just pure evil. What the fuck, you like, piece of shit.
1: He would cheat on his wife constantly, dude. Like, I don't understand why it would be such a big deal if she slept around too. Whether she did or didn't, it doesn't really fucking matter. It doesn't justify this. Yeah, that,
0: that's that's almost like an unnecessary justification. At no point did any of the actions involved in either of the situations justify the, the end that happened here. That's just, man, fuck that guy.
1: What the hell? Well, you know, Spade Cooley would go to trial. Murder was the case that they gave me. <laughs> Sorry, I had to lighten the mood. Some Snoop
0: Dogg there. Come on now. Yeah, okay, so they take Spade Cooley to 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 the court. Come on, give me the give me the juice here. I have to hear the good part <laughs> of this story.
1: Well, you know, as you can imagine, in L.A., this was kind of like you know the trial of O.J. Simpson.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fairly important trial because everybody knew who he was
1: investigators would play the tape of LMA's confession of, you know, her saying she had an affair and shit, you know, from the PI and stuff, but it doesn't even really matter. Like even the PA, even the PI himself said that he didn't actually believe that she was telling the truth.
0: Yeah. Well, and that doesn't matter. You can't justify murdering her like that. Just cause like it, you could justify him divorcing her or whatever the situation is, but if somebody cheats on you, you don't get to hold them captive in a bathtub and beat them until they die. That's doesn't that's not a justification at all.
1: Uh his manager would claim that LMA had, you know, had a short term fling with Roy Rogers, but she never believed this believed the story. But she also didn't, you know, have a theory why LMA would have lied. A spokesperson for Roy Rogers said that the story was ridiculous. (laughs) I bet he did. I'm getting as far away from this as I (laughs) I can. I
0: got nothing to do with any of this. I'm leaving. I'm the real Roy Rogers. This guy's (laughs) a knockoff. See you guys later.
1: (laughs) Wait, my stand-in killed somebody? Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
0: After actually banging his wife. (laughs) And finally,
1: it was Cooley's turn to take the stand. Oh, Jesus. Probably not a great decision on his legal team's part. Yeah, I would assume so. He would plead not guilty by reason of insanity. And, you know, he would provide the court with a lengthy laundry list of her sexual adventures or misadventures. You know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. He said she admitted her affair with Roy Rogers, who apparently would have a weekly date with LMA while Cooley was doing a Saturday night TV show. He would also go on to say that there was a free love sex cult who would be masterminded by a bunch of the limp-wristed set (laughs) 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 who were planning on destroying America's values. (laughs) (laughs) great testimony there, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Just just always let the, just let the crazy (laughs) person testify. That's always (laughs) the
0: best idea.
1: (laughs) Somehow I, I foresee the word queer coming up in this the entire time. They they redacted
0: (laughs) it, but he definitely dropped some some really, really questionable terms. (laughs) They they made it more PC. You know it. But he was was straight up calling people all of the names you don't call people.
1: Well, apparently, some of the affairs he thought she was having was with two guys, both who turned out to be gay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Ooh. It's probably just some friends, like they
1: are just yeah, hanging were, exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. They were just hanging out, and he's like, you're having an affair with them.
0: They dress too good, and they shave themselves up. They must be totally
1: hot and sexual with my wife. <laughs> well, and he would claim, you know, like I said, that she had fallen in the shower. He said he heard a horrible thud and rushed into the bathroom to find LMA unconscious.
0: Yeah, and then he took his 14-year-old daughter there to say that she had something to say.
1: Oh, and his 14-year-old daughter testified against him, too. Uh, She fucking better have. That's fucked up. He would say that she made up the story about beating LMA, you know, even burning her because she was annoyed that Spade would not allow her to date.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes total sense, you psycho.
1: Classy fellow, right? My yeah. daughter's 14 and she wants to date. And she was mad that I wouldn't let her date. So she claimed I murdered her mom. When I did. Oh, he totally did. Yeah,
0: he murdered the shit out of her like a fucking crazy person.
1: You know, he also couldn't explain why, you know, his hands were swollen and not able to move after the cops found him, right? Yeah. You know, so his testimony was fantastic. Oh, I bet it was really, really good. And so after a month-long trial, 19 hours of deliberation, the jury convicted Cooley of murder on August 19th, 1961. Fuck yeah. He would withdraw his insanity plea, which I guess would give him, like, life in jail instead yeah. of, like, you know, getting hung or some shit, you know? So he withdrew his
0: life in jail sentence so that he could possibly be executed. Essentially, he was like, Fuck it, I just don't want to be, like, there forever. Just go ahead and take care of it.
1: No, no, no. He withdrew his insanity plea, which would essentially him be admitting to guilt, which would take life out of the equation. Oh,
0: I see. Okay.
1: You know, and even though he was a convicted murderer, he really didn't have, like, the toughest sentence in the world. He went to Vacaville State Prison rather than what most convicted murderers were sent to, San Quentin. Oh,
0: yes, a little San Quentin. I think you all know that if you know anything about Johnny Cash.
1: (laughs) You better. If you don't know anything about that, we might need to do an episode on uh, Johnny Cash. Yeah, we might need to talk to you you might need to keep listening to this uh uh, podcast
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna grab ian by the arm and bring them into the shower and you're gonna be laying there and i'm gonna say ian these the the listeners have something to tell you (laughs) and it's gonna be we like the San quentin album (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm not gonna murder all of our listeners
1: it was a joke guys come on see see i told you pat wanted to electroshock therapy all of you for not listening oh my god i do
0: if i'm guilty murderer, as it, proven by me if i'm gonna murder anybody it's ian so do you, you all know that you're fine you're just gonna have to be the witnesses at the trial
1: hey at least i know you're gonna get caught
0: <laughs> yeah i've already admitted to it so i'm pretty much screwed either way
1: You know, and he was a model prisoner. Yay! (laughs) Of course he was. The crazy (laughs) people always are. Because they just want to sit there and be crazy and stare at the floor. (laughs) In 1969, Cooley supporters would petition to Governor Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, to pardon him. The Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Oh, shit. The Ronald Reagan, governor of California before he became president. So would he pardon him? No, he wouldn't. Fuck. Oh, yeah. But supposedly he used some influence to get Spade a favorable decision with the parole board.
0: Oh, shit.
1: And they unanimously recommended parole for Cooley effective February 22nd, 1970. He's like 60 years old at this point. Getting close. On August 5th, 1969, Cooley was granted a furlough to do a benefit concert for the almeida county sheriff's department now remember he was not supposed to get out till february 22nd 1970 this is august 5th 1968 yeah or 1969
0: yeah almost a whole year
1: well not even really because i mean it's like a half a year at the most yeah so six months and so spade would go up and play him a- some songs and he was greeted if enthusiastically by the audience right oh my god he'd walk backstage and say you know i wasn't sure whether my fans would want me back but i think it's gonna be okay i think it's gonna work out for me i have the feeling that today is the first day of the rest of my life oh god that's never something you should say out loud a minute later he had a heart attack and was dead (laughs) <laughs> that's a good one, right?
0: <laughs> oh, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> that is just absolutely my favorite thing that has ever... Oh, this is going to be great. I can feel it. They want me back. This is going to be the, the the rest of my life. They're going to forget that I've raped and murdered people, that I'm a total piece of shit, and then whatever divine measure there is the universe is like hey no you're not bro
1: (laughs) (laughs) now this is all speculative i don't care He did
0: die backstage here dude check out this song we always choose to accept the folklore because the story being great is always more important than the reality of the situation
1: yeah oh he definitely was like, oh yeah, my life is awesome. Woo. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Like one second later, in my mind, it's like a Simpsons like uh, like scene. <laughs> Everything's gonna <you'll> be great.
1: <laughs> in my mind, he was like, oh yeah, I'm back on top, and he's high fiving everybody. Woo woo, let's get another drink in me. Oh 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 shit. Oh no. Uh, ah. yeah. <laughs> Here I go. Oh my god, that is the best. Oh yeah, he was like. Three weeks shy of his 59th birthday, by the way. Oh, well, he didn't make it to 60. And so he'd be buried at the chapel of the Chimes Memorial Park in Alameda County, California. And to this day, he remains the only convicted killer with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He received this months before he, you know, beat the shit out of his wife and killed her.
0: Oh, (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. This fucking guy.
1: So... I guess it's time for last thoughts, dude. (laughs)
0: Dude, there's no last thoughts. I'm pretty sure I've made myself perfectly fucking clear, but here, I'll I'll nail my last thoughts here real fast. Don't kill your wife. Don't rape, don't murder, don't be a fucking crazy person, don't do crazy stuff. (laughs) And if you do, definitely do die in like a super ironic way where you say, I feel like everything's going to be fine and then die moments later, I'm all right with that because I really like ironic deaths. So if if you're going to be a piece of shit, please, everybody out there, all you pieces of shit who happen to be listening to our podcast, you don't have to identify yourself, you know, down deep. Just make sure you have like a super ironic death so the rest of us can at least appreciate something.
1: Yeah, if you're a sociopath... You know, if you're going to be a piece of shit, at least die in a spectacularly ironic way so we can
0: make fun of you. Yeah, because that's the most important thing at this point is that I get to make fun of the, the, the worst people on this planet because we have to live with you. We'll have to be here all at the end, and you're gonna be dead. You're not gonna know anything. So what's the fucking point? Like, just yeah, let us make fun of you in a dead.
1: great way, so we can laugh at you. Yeah,
0: I, absolutely. And I mean, you know, this that that goes only to crazy people and sociopaths and create and like actual like villainous people. The rest of you guys, I want you to live long lives and and really, you know, just just be good to your fellow humans and don't rape and murder them. I guess because that seems like a like a rule I shouldn't have to say out loud but here we are season 6 don't rape and murder and if
1: you need more advice like this, <laughs> keep listening to our podcast. Yeah, by all means. But also share with your friends who you don't want to rape and murder. <laughs> if you sh-
0: if you want to prove to others that you don't rape and murder, don't forget to give us five stars on whatever fucking podcast medium you listen to.
1: And, rape and, mur- and rapists and murderers definitely don't check out our Spotify. No, they so don't. So you should do that. Yeah,
0: you should do that to really set yourself apart. Uh, obviously this, <laughs> this outro is 100 a joke and <laughs> please don't anybody take it too seriously but we, we do thank you
1: guys for listening yeah
0: we love you guys so much just do whatever you can to you know love us the way we love you
1: and don't rape and murder have yeah. a good night and absolutely <laughs> do not do that bye